Hi everyone, it's Lisa Gregg. Let's highlight real. On today's episode of Highlighting Real, I sit down with co-founder and chief relationship officer of Balance 365, Annie Breeze. In today's conversation, we really dive into all things diet culture and how it shifts and morphs throughout our lives. The thing about diets is they are smart. And in this conversation with Annie, we learn how to truly conquer a culture that has been limiting us as women for so long. And as an added bonus, you get to hear about the best margarita recipe. All right, friends, let's highlight real. business and actually a lot to do with kind of diet culture today but before that um I obviously know who you are because I stalk slash follow everything on Instagram (laughs) but I want you just to share more about the the work you do and then I really want to get into why you do that work yeah um so I'm Annie Reese I am a mom three kids I live in West Des Moines Iowa so you're a neighbor to the south um you're in Canada right I am I'm yeah. in the middle you're, you're, oh you are are you in are you in Saskatoon or uh, Saskatchewan yeah, I'm in okay. Saskatoon actually oh you oh you are perfect yeah. okay well, that was our first, my first Canadian experience was up north there. And it's such a nice community. I hope we can get back there someday as Jen and I. Yeah, um, I know. I hope so too. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, I have three kids, co-founder of Balance 365. I've been in the fitness industry uh, like 11 years-ish. Um, former athlete, which I know we share that in common. Uh, always been super active. Always enjoyed exercising. Um, but after I was done with college, I was kind of like dipped out. I was like, this feels like work. This is no longer fun. And when, and I think we might get into this a little bit later, but when someone wasn't like breathing down my neck to tell me what to do, I was like, I don't know what to do. Like this, this isn't fun and I don't know what to do. So I just, I left exercise for a while. And then after the birth of my first baby, I had what I see now is very clearly postpartum depression. I didn't know it then. I, I had no idea. I just, I was pissed all the time. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm not weepy. I'm not sad. I'm not like lethargic. I was just angry. Just had a chip. I'm, I was salty. And I thought I'm going to get back to exercising. Um, and that helped to dramatically just get, just to get out of the house, even without my baby. Leaving, right. Leaving yeah, the she, house to the outdoors. Yeah. She screamed at me all day long. It was, it was miserable. And I, and I had also gone from working full-time to staying at home. So it was like a, just a bunch of change in a short amount of period. Um, and so, shortly after that, I rekindled my love for exercise and I was like, gosh, I, I miss this. I forgot how much I like this and what it means to me. So I became a group fitness instructor and then a wellness coach and then a personal trainer. And then, um, about six years ago, I co-founded Balance 365 with Jen um, fellow Canadian for you. And we started this program because we really saw a lot of opportunities for the way the fitness and the wellness industry, the nutrition industry was doing a large disservice to women, making it all about our bodies, using shame and negative motivation, asking especially new moms to be hyper-focused on food and nutrition. And it's like, you just had a freaking baby. Like, 
no, I can, like, I cannot support this. And I had also tried it myself. I had a, a long history of dieting, body image struggles, weight struggles, just feeling like crap in general about myself and my habits. And I was like, there has to be a better way. So we threw this program out, um, as just like a, we think this will work, but we're not really sure if it will, will work. And it blew up in the best way possible. So now we have, um, our total community is about 40,000. We have about 4,000 paid members worldwide, women that are using our program, which is behavior to focus on behavior change from a place of self-love and self-compassion versus the old narrative of loathing and shame and, and just like no excuses kind of culture. Um, so, considerably more compassionate culture. And we really focus on developing the skills yes. that women need. So our motto has kind of always been to teach women to fish, not hand them a fish. I had been given a fish so many times in the form of macro counts and meal plans and grocery lists. And these are the good foods and these are the bad foods. But then when you took that all away, when I went on vacation, when I went to a birthday party, when it was the weekend and I didn't want to do it anymore, it was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to make those decisions for myself. So we found a balance 365. We're, um, in year six. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's, I really think we're contributing, um, to the change that we needed when Jen and I were young moms and young women. And I hope our eventually will, we put the diet industry out of business. Wouldn't that just be the dream? Yeah. And I think, and I, and I think it takes a lot of professionals like you and, and other trainers and other dietitians and nutritionists. Like it's not just us. It has to be like a collaboration. Yeah. A collaboration to shift the culture. And it takes, it takes all of us and it takes women and it takes, um, women who are raising their children to offer them a different narrative and different solutions and, and develop different skills. So it's gotta be a group effort. No, I like, I totally agree though with that cultural shift. And so six, you said six years, right? Yeah. Ish. How, like, w- this is like putting you on the spot, but like, what has been the biggest change of just like themes and patterns of what's come to you over the last six years? Because diet culture has changed so much in six mm-hmm. years from like mm-hmm. how it permeates and attacks us. Well, you know, I think something that we've probably personally and professionally, the balance 365 has had to navigate is the, um, increase in popularity in body positivity and, um, health at every size movements, which, um, I know I have been super engaged with, super inspired by at various points in my own personal journey. There was a lot of the messaging that they have shared I needed and I found value in. At the same time, I also wanted to lose weight. I also knew that I wasn't at a weight that supported long-term health for me. Like I'm not trying to prescribe body goals, body weights, uh, for anyone else. We actually, one of our strong core values of balance 365 is, um, autonomy. And, um, so whatever health looks like to a woman, uh, she gets to decide that for herself, but there's this messy middle because, um, body positivity often gets confused with just feeling good about your body. Mm-hmm. And that's not exactly it. I mean, that can be part of the experience. Um, but it's also very strongly rooted in lifting the voices of marginalized bodies, like fat bodies, disabled bodies. Um, and so it's, it's not just for like thin women to be like, I'm body positive because I embrace my stretch marks. Like it's so much more than that. Right. Yeah. And 
Um, so I think we've, our pendulum has, I've seen some pendulum swings from body positivity. Like I want to feel good about my body and I also want to lose some weight. I also have fat loss goals. And if you know about body positivity or health at every size, it's, um, they're predominantly anti-weight loss, which is fine. That's great. I can respect that if that's what you choose for you. Um, but how do we serve the women who still have weight loss goals and fat loss goals in a, in a really loving self compassionate way and help them reach their goals in a sustainable way. And I think that's where balance 365 does a really good job with that messy middle that like, I, we're, we're not diet culture. We're not body positivity and health at every size. Like we're somewhere in the middle. And like, I like girl preach when you say the messy middle, I am all about the messy middle. I think our entire lifespan, it's like birth, messy middle, death. Like that's yes. literally like our lifetime And I think it is like, again, I also, I'm a lover of all of those movements too, but I also can prescribe myself to being like, no, like I also want to feel good in my body. But step one is I need to acknowledge what feeling good is to me Mm -hmm. versus what it's been told to me Mm -hmm. and, you know, and unpacking all of that, but it's still okay if there is a number at the end of the day, or I should say a range of a number that that looks like for me, or that there's still some maybe weight loss in that, or for some, some weight gain, whatever that looks like. Absolutely. Yeah. For Jen, case in point for Jen, it actually meant putting on a little bit weight from her, from her dieting days. For me, for me, our philosophy, applying our philosophy to my life meant losing weight and keeping it off. And I feel quite confident that I am in a range. Actually, I was at the doctor's yesterday. I hadn't weighed myself in probably two months. I was the exact same weight I was two months ago. And this is now effort. I can maintain my weight effortlessly. It doesn't consume me. It doesn't, I don't obsess over it, which ultimately this is where I would really love to see women because then I can pour that brain energy into my business, into my kids, into my girlfriends, into education, into learning, into podcasting. Like I'm not like, I just really feel like it kept me playing small. Of course it did. Right. Because diet culture is all about taking up the least amount of space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And not just like physically, but like mentally, mentally, I didn't have, I didn't have energy to like, think of, to grow a, a, a huge world changing business. If I was still stuck on how big my thighs were. I right. Couldn't do it. No. And not to mention, how can you then prescribe this balanced lifestyle to other people when you are so still stuck in the, but no, I'm going to be happy when I look like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy until versus no, like I'm working towards feeling the best version of myself. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I just think what you guys are doing is like, it's like world changing. I would love to say life changing, but again, I'm such a believer, like, you know, heal ourselves, heal our home, heal the world. And I forget whose quote that is. Um, but it's true. And I think you're doing that one woman at a time. Yeah. I, I, I believe so too. I like, I just, I just feel it. You know, when you just know you're exactly where you're supposed to be and you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. It doesn't mean it's fun every day, or that it's like joyful and it's like all roses, but I know, I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, and your community is speaking for itself, Annie. Like mm-hmm. I can just encourage people who aren't already in the Balance 365 community listening to go join that community because it's just, it's so empowering. Mm-hmm. I think so too. So many yeah. people taking their lives back. Yes. Amen. Right. So now I want to know more about your story. So just talking about, 
you know, life as an athlete or even before that, right? Because I can only imagine like speaking also, and I say former athlete because I do not compete at that level anymore. You know, my body always was an instrument. Mm -hmm. It was an instrument that I fed and moved solely so it can perform on a certain level. And that was fine until I didn't do that anymore. And I never spent time unpacking that until that part of my life was over. Lethargy kicked in, weight added. And I was like, okay, who am I again? What is going on? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you have shared like diet culture had been a huge part of your life. And so I just, I want to know just more about that, Annie. I want to hear more about that. Um, so I would say that I was always the big girl. Like I was like, I'm five, nine. I was probably five, nine. I swear in like third grade. I was, I was, and I was boy crazy, which really created a lot of problems for me because I like these boys, but I towered over these, like I ate them for breakfast. You know, I was always the girl and these boys that I had crushes on were the boys that were making fun of me. And they were making fun of me because I was bigger. And I've said this before, but I remember coming out for recess in maybe fifth grade and literally there was probably five and I could name them first and last names. If you, (laughs) if I had to, um, they were waiting for me to make fun of me. Like that was, I was their target. And so from a very early age, I was convinced that if I were smaller, if I looked like this girl, this girl, this girl, all the, you know, all the cool girls in my class, um, who were smaller than me, then I could get the boys and the boys would like me and then I would be happy. And, um, And I believe that for a really, really long time. And I struggled, even though I was an amazing athlete, um, I played softball, basketball, track in high school. I went on to play college softball. I remember throughout high school and college really struggling with managing um, my food and my weight. College, it got maybe a little bit better, quote unquote, because there was the, the narrative wasn't so much around being small, but it was more around being powerful. And, um, but I still remember after practice going uh, to the field house and jumping on the elliptical to burn a few extra calories. And the thing is, is no one would have known that about me because I wasn't small. Like I didn't look like a woman that had eating struggles or exercise struggles. Like I didn't fit that image. I wasn't thin. I was, I was still quite big, but I remember having one um, conversation, our strength and conditioning coach posted PRs outside of his office. Like he had a spreadsheet Mm -hmm. and I was always one of the strongest on the team, probably maybe at the time, even one of the strongest female athletes. And, um, I asked him after practice one day, I was like, Hey, could you not post my weight? Like I, I just had too much shame around it. I was like, I just really didn't want, I didn't want all the cute college football players to know what I weighed. Like I weighed as much as a defensive lineman, you know, I was just, I couldn't handle it because of what I made it mean. And that continued, um, post-college. Like I said, I was like, I'm done with exercising. Um, I knew how to squat, but I couldn't tell you like how many, how much should I squat? How many sets and reps should I squat? And I joined a gym for a hot minute. Um, and with the gym membership, a, a personal training, you got like three free personal training sessions. And this guy just destroyed me. He ran me into the ground 
And knowing what I know now, I'm like, that's cute. Anyone can do that. <laughs> like my, my 11 year old could write a workout that would annihilate me. That like, wasn't the goal. And it just turned me off to exercise. It was like, this isn't what I want. And so, um, I fell in a really quite a dark hole for about a year after college where I was adjusting to life as like an adult for the first time. Um, I would, uh, on the weekends, I would go to Jimmy John's and I would get two sandwiches and I would order two sandwiches as if they were for two different people. They were both for me, or I would go to get Chinese food and I would order like a family of four, you know, like I was feeding my family. It was just for me. Like it was all just for me and I would just eat. And then Monday morning would come around and I'd feel so much shame about what I did over the weekend that I'd like, okay, this is going to be the week. I'm going to do it. I'm going to like, I'm going to like, I'm really going to hammer it down. And and what I meant by do it was brown rice, chicken and broccoli, you know, that, that like stereotypical health and hot sauce. Oh, hot sauce. Oh, okay. I haven't tried that. <laughs> a little, a little, a little saw, a little uh, spice to your, <laughs> to your otherwise quite bland meal, I suppose would help. Um, but you know, just like many people, I would do that for a day or two. Wednesday would come around and I'd be like, okay, this is kind of like not fun. Thursday would come and it was like, someone would invite me out for drinks or dinner. And then it was like, okay, well now it's Friday. Like it's the weekend. And I, I did that for years, honestly, years. And, um, I spent a lot of time again, thinking about my food, thinking about exercise, um, quite obsessed with it. But again, you wouldn't have known how much time and energy I was exerting on trying to diet because I, I was actually gaining weight. Um, and again, knowing what I know now about the diet cycle, that isn't uncommon. That's exactly what I would expect from a woman who was behaving the way I was, I was behaving. And so this continued, um, until I moved home and I got married um, I got engaged and I did what a lot of women do is like, I'm going to lose weight for the wedding. You know, I did that whole thing. And I, and I, I did actually, I did it in a pretty reasonable way. I hired a trainer again, because I had no clue how to exercise on my own. And she was pretty reasonable. She wasn't like, like, uh, too intense. She wasn't too hardcore for me. Again, that's all relative. Um, gave me some like pretty balanced eating advice and I did pretty well and I was happy and I was content. And then I got pregnant (laughs) and, um, everything went out the window. It was like a free for all. And again, research actually supports that. I don't know if you've seen any of the research about that, but women who have, um, essentially I'm paraphrasing here, but women who have a restrictive dieting past tend to gain more weight in pregnancy because they're like white knuckling it until they're pregnant. And then it's like, yes. And, and I, I'll just speak for myself. I used it as an excuse to just eat whatever I want, whenever I wanted, you know, like limits were off. Um, and I put on 75 pounds with my first pregnancy. And I was like, it's fine. Like I'll, I'll lose it when the baby comes. And then the baby came and I was like, Oh God, going back full circle. Now that baby rocked my world and combine that with some mental health issues. And I was just a mess and I didn't have the capacity to diet anymore. It took too much energy. It took too much effort. I couldn't stick with anything for longer than a few days. So I kind of hit rock bottom and I was like, screw this. Like I, I can't like, I, and it was almost like this, um, I can't, I can't win. So I'm just going to like do the thing. If I can't be thin, at least I can try to be healthy. And, um, 
so I just started walking every day and I started cutting back on alcohol. I started cutting back on sweet treats, you know, like super sustainable, boring, lame advice that everyone has heard a thousand times, eat more veggies, you know, like get so sleep, like the, the, I won't swear, but the stuff that you, okay. The shit that you poo poo, right. That you're like, that's not good enough. That's not intense enough. I'm, I'm more advanced than that. Like, I want to talk about supplements and meal timing, all this stuff that I poo pooed, the sleep, the water, the veggies, the, the protein, um, reducing sweet treats and alcohol in a reasonable manner, enjoying a slice of pizza, two slices of pizza, not a whole pizza. I was like, I, 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 I've done everything else. I might as well try this. And lo and behold, it worked. Yeah. It, it took me a fair amount of time, but I lost about 60 pounds again. And it took me, a, it took me a long time because I, I was I was like paving the way myself. I didn't have a, now we have a community in Bounce 365. We have a community and we have curriculum and we have a, a program that you can follow to help you do what I did to expedite the, the results, hopefully a little bit faster. But I was like feeling the lay of the land step-by-step for myself. Um, it took me a while, but I'm happy to say that I'm considerably more at peace even even I had two other babies since then. So now three babies total, uh, 10 years later, um, my weight is effortlessly maintained. I don't think about food or fitness other than like when I want to, when I'm hungry and I'm working out, I'm very content with my body. Um, and side note, my body doesn't actually look like the body I thought I was going to have. It looks like my body, but just like the best version of my body for now at 37 years old on a October 28th, I'm content with my body. Um, so it was, it was just a really different process than what I anticipated it being like. Um, but now that I'm here, I'm like, oh, this is the way. There is no other way. Yeah. This is the only way I know. Well, it just, it frees up so much space, like you've said before, to do so many other things when you stop the obsessing. It's so obsessive, the dieting behaviors. Yeah. And, um, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I like, which, which what I, what I told myself then was I needed more willpower, more discipline, more motivation. I needed to buckle down even harder, tighten the belt, stay on the wagon. I blamed myself again, knowing what I know now and all the research about dieting and, um, what diets are designed to do. It's no, it's like, it wasn't me. It's the diet's fault. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and it's designed to do that, to keep people reliant on the diet, to keep people stuck in the dieting cycle, to keep the diets, um, industry in business, they're relying on you failing. So you're ever for reliant on them. That's how they make money. And so knowing what I know now, I'm just like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> just yes. get out of here diets. <laughs> and so like where, like, I, this is, I think the part two, it's like, so where do people, you know, start? And I'm jokingly like, you know, asking for a friend, but you know, I think it's like, you know, definitely I would self-disclose like I'm getting there. And I think I, it's so important that you shared your, your story, Annie, because it is a lifestyle change. It's not overnight. Anyone who promises you that if you start this program tomorrow, it's going like, it takes time. It takes habit changing. It takes all of those things. And of course, awareness, you know, Mm -hmm. step one of everything is awareness, but where like, where do people start? You know, where do people start? Um, I think, I think awareness is definitely step one. 
Um, you need to really be honest with yourself about reflecting on what you've done in the past. And maybe there's been some great skills or takeaways from various programs you've tried. Maybe you learned, I like group exercise, or maybe you learned how to cook vegetables, or maybe you learned like, yes, I feel better when I get adequate amounts of protein. It doesn't, you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? But be really honest about what works and what hasn't worked. And I'd be willing to bet if you have a dieting history, like I had, you could look back and be like, yeah, it just wasn't working. Like, and, and even if there might be listeners thinking, well, it worked for a while. It worked when I was doing it, you know, all the time. Yeah. Weight, weight watchers worked when I was doing weight watchers. And I would say a solution that works in the short term is not a solution, right? Like I don't, I personally did not want to be forever reliant on attending weight watchers meetings and counting points, which by the way, I've joined weight watchers probably 10 times. So I feel like I can, I can say this was a lot of conviction. I didn't want to see food and see points. I didn't want to count points every freaking meal. Right. Um, I knew that for sure. But like that, again, that just kind of came with me being honest. No one was prescribing that. No one told me I had to, or had, didn't have to. I was like, this is just not how I want to live my life. I don't want to be 70 years old counting points of a cookie with my grandkid at a birthday party. Not, I'm not in for that. And, um, so, and, and the other element to being, clear on what works and what doesn't, which would kind of segue me into the second part of what I is a good starting point is I think a lot of women can look back at what they would call their thinnest or their lightest weight and recognize that they still nitpick the shit out of their bodies. Oh my and, God. Yes. Yeah. Even, even at your, your thinnest, lightest, leanest weight, you probably still stood in the front of the mirror and were like, yeah, but I could, I could work on this. Or if I lost five more pounds, or if I just didn't have the cellulite or these stretch marks. And that to me is a very clear message that your body is not the problem. Your body was never the problem. Your body is not the problem. And so with that in mind, walking me into my, after awareness, after acknowledging that is working on your mindset. Yeah. And thinking about, um, we, Jen and I talk about this a lot in balance 365. The reason why we, the, the, what we do might look the same as when we were dieting, but the why behind we're, why we're doing it can be completely different. So for me, an example would be when I exercise, exercise used to be a means to control my weight, to negate foods that I ate that were off limits because I felt so much shame about overeating at dinner the night before I would get up early and I'm like, Oh, I got to go sweat this out. I got to burn it off. It was like punishment right now. I exercise because I enjoy it. It's a way to connect with my girlfriend. It's a way to manage my stress. It helps me to embody my body. I feel like I finally tapped into, um, power and strength, which is what I'm built for. And that feels a really, like a really great way to honor my body. Um, and so I'm still exercising, but like why I'm doing it is completely different. Or for example, I might have, um, last night for dinner, I actually had (laughs) chicken and rice and a salad with some Terry. It was like teriyaki style, like kind of Asian, um, inspired meal. And I threw it all together and that might have looked similar to a meal that I had chosen when I was on the wagon or when I was dieting. Right. And I chose that meal last night because 
I came off of a weekend. I was, um, I had a, I had a little mini road trip this weekend where I had, you know, some fast food and more alcohol. And I was like, homegirl, you need to eat a vegetable. Like, yes, this is a way of now mothering myself. It's not because I'm like trying to restrict or trying to manage my weight or trying to starve myself. It's like, no, I love you and I care about you. And I need you to eat some protein and some vegetables and a really nice balanced meal because you're worthy of a balanced meal that leaves you feeling good. Yes. Right. Yep. Um, so I think the mindset, the, the mindset is so key. Um, and then once you've nailed down the awareness and the mindset, then you can start to dive into like the behaviors and the behaviors are so fucking simple. It's, I mean, I'm going to give you, we have four, we have what's called the core four habits in balance 365 and brace yourself. It's sleep, hunger and satiety are internal cues. Like, are you hungry? Are you full? Balanced meals, making sure your meals have protein, carbs, fats, fruits, and veggies and movement. Like this is not mind blowing rocket science. No, but what women are doing is they don't have the awareness. They have a shitty mindset. They have a dieter's mindset behind these behaviors. And then they take these behaviors and they like ramp them up to like Mach 100, right? When they're at like level zero and I'm like, that's too much, too fast. You've probably tried it. It's not going to work. So once you have the awareness, you have the mindset and then a slow shift in each of those areas, then I think you're set up for success. Totally. It's it's underwhelming and it's, and it's, and it's not super like exciting, but it works. It does. But, and, and it goes back to like the mic drop moment, right? Like your body isn't the problem. Mm -hmm. So of course it's our mindset. Of course it's how we view things. And like, I'm such a believer of always, like, even when I work with my clients in other capacities, it's like, tell me about your why, Mm -hmm. all your goals, all your, like anything you want to talk to me about, but like, why? And if you don't have a why, and if you don't unpack the why, there's no follow through, there's no purpose, there sure as hell won't be any passion behind it. Folks, if you're just tuning in, welcome. This is Highlighting Real with Lisa Gregg, and this week's guest is Annie Breeze from Balance 365. Thanks for tuning in. Just because someone's told you to do this, if that's your why, I give you three days. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, it leaves, I, I mean, this can apply to career, to relationships, to food and fitness, but if you don't examine your why from your own perspective, you leave yourself out of the equation. Totally. And then, and then you show up 40 on my coaching call in tears because you've lost yourself. You don't know who you are outside of motherhood, outside of your career, outside of being a, a, a spouse or a partner. Um, and it's like, what do you, what do you like? What do you enjoy? How do you how do you want to spend your time? What do you want to do? And women are flabbergasted. They're like, I don't know how to answer that question. Mm-hmm. And, and look, I, I mean, I was one of them. So I can, <laughs> that's how I can easily identify it. There's no shame if you're like, shit, that's me. Um, but, uh, um, it, it's like when you don't check in with yourself, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle. And then it's like, then you're just dependent on doing what other people expect of you, tell you to do, say you should do, whether that's someone in your, in your four walls or a culture we live in. And then it's like, you know, and then it's like, you just, you get lost. And that's, that's heartbreaking to me. I don't want women lost. (laughs) No, it's so true. Cause it's, we sit there and then the 
common, you know, response that I'm sure you hear all the time too is, I just don't understand how I got here. I, mm-hmm. I don't understand. I don't understand. I, when I look in the mirror, I don't recognize myself when I do like, it's just like, I don't know how I got here. And it's like, well, sit down. Yeah. Yeah. Get a roadmap. Yeah. And here's the other piece of advice I would say, kind of, you know, the mindset, the awareness, the mindset, the behaviors. And then the, the last piece, um, speaking to that, Lisa is, um, a, it's never too late. I, you know, it's, it's never too late to, to start living the life that you ultimately want to live, but also acknowledging that when you start this process, you're going to fuck it up. Totally. It like, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to screw it up. You're, you're going to get frustrated and that's part of the process. And, um, you know, last two nights ago I was deadlifting and I was in the garage by myself. I have deadlifted over the last 10 years, one specific way, probably 20,000 repetitions. I've had a lot of practice deadlifting this one way, right? My workout called for a different variation of a deadlift. I'd never done that deadlift before. I did the first set. I was like, okay. The second set was okay. On the third set, I screwed it up and I got frustrated. And it's like, I was like so pissed at myself. And it was like, you know what, Annie, how many times have you practiced it one way? And now you're learning a new skill it's reasonable to expect that you're going to like make mistakes. Right. And, and eating skills, movement skills, mindsets, thoughts, it's no different. You've had maybe decades of eating one way to think that you're just going to change it overnight. Like you're not going to conquer it one day. It's, it's an ongoing practice. And part of that practice is screwing it up. And it doesn't mean that's grounds for quitting or grounds for throwing in the towel or grounds for braiding yourself. It just means you take what you can learn and you move on. Absolutely. And just, Oh my God. There's like so many moments in that, those last couple of statements, Annie, that I think we as women in particular, like we've got to just drop the perfectionism and, mm-hmm. and like really learn to accept failures lessons, not failure as like, well, fuck that up. Can't do that again. Yeah. But we live in a culture that applauds perfection. You know, it's like, oh my God, like you must, you must have so much discipline. You must make good choices all the time. Like, no, that's, that's, I know that's the thing that people think they need to achieve their goals, but it's probably the thing that's actually keeping women stuck because that means they're either all in or they're all out. They're right. They're wrong. They're perfect. They're failing. They're black. They're white. And when you live on either side of those extremes, you forget that there's like a whole spectrum of choices you can make in the middle. And if you lived your life in the middle, most of the time, you'd probably be really well off. Well, and it, it, again, that entirely speaks to one of my favorite things that I've taken from balance Your 65, which is all or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. It's that like, I, I mean, it, it, we talk about mindsets and even like working with those, um, who struggle with anxiety, right. All or nothing mindset is the number one mind trap for so many people. But really when you can shift your mindset to that all or something, again, the middle is messy and just exist in the something, something is yeah. good enough. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, I heard a quote in a TED talk the other day, and I don't know who originally said this, but a little is something, a little of something is better than a whole lot of nothing. Oh, amen. Yeah. And it's like, but what women do is I had a donut. So I guess I'll just say, fuck it the whole day and I'll start over tomorrow. Yes. Or, or you could say, okay, I had a donut for breakfast. I'm just going to move on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to have a balanced lunch for, for a balanced lunch and a balanced dinner. And I'm going to continue on with my exercise plans and I'm not going to let it ripple into affecting the rest of my day. Like, again, women might be listening to that and be like, really? Like, that's it. 
Like why, why has that never occurred to me? <laughs> and to remember that, like, again, it goes back to like that mindset in the diet culture that's permeated them. Uh, having, you know, we want to get to the point where having one donut doesn't mean you're going to also eat a whole box and you can't, mm-hmm. you know, well, I don't have any self-control. It's like, you know what you do, girl, you have so much more than you're giving yourself credit for. Yeah. And here's the thing. It's completely normal to see a donut and want a donut. That doesn't mean that you're like a flawed human, That that's like, that's a normal response. And in fact, if you're trying to be less impulsive around donuts or wine or brownies or chips or the bread basket, whatever your like guilty pleasure is your, your weaknesses, quote unquote, the best thing you could do for that is allow yourself to have it. And I would be willing to bet when it comes, when coming back to like mothering yourself, um, at one time I believed, well, if I just gave myself free reign over donuts or chips, I would eat all the chips and I would offer it because I've done it many times. Yeah. You eat all the chips. You're not going to feel good. Like go, go ahead, let yourself have all the chips, go on a three day chip binge at the end of the day three, you're going to be like, crap. That does completely restricting myself from chips doesn't feel good. Completely overindulging in chips doesn't feel good either. And I firmly believe that the only way you can find balance with anything, work, relationships, um, exercise, food, is exploring what feels like too much and too little. Like it's gonna take exploring both ends of the spectrum. And if you were to mother yourself in both of those situations, you'd probably say, honey, have some chips. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay to have some chips. And you might also say, okay, honey, put the chip bag away. <laughs> Right. And being able to like flow between the two, like, what do you need in that given moment, that day, that week, that month, that season of life? Do you need a little bit more like grandma compassion or do you need a little bit more like tough love messaging and then giving it to yourself? You can do that. Women do that for other people in their lives all the time. They do it for their kids, their partners, their coworkers, their girlfriends. We can do it for ourselves. Right. And just giving yourself grace through the seasons. Because I mean, did I really need to start buying boxed wine at the beginning of the pandemic? (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, But, you know, like, was that just like a really, you know, shitty season where maybe poor coping strategies plus like, hey, happy hour made the day. It was a great marker to the end of the day. But it's like... yeah, something to look forward to. <laughs> no, and it's like now, now I'm happy to report that I look forward to a great cup of tea once in a while, right? It's mm-hmm. it's that balance. And I, you know, allow myself grace for that like really shitty season at the beginning of this pandemic. And now it's like, okay, it's clearly here to stay. So shift the mindset. What do I need to do differently? Because what I did do does not feel good. Yeah. What do you mean with a box wine? Oh yeah. 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 But you can, you can look back at that and think, okay, Lisa was doing the best Lisa could in that situation. And now Lisa has a little bit more information to make a better choice that serves her best. Yeah. And, and whatever that looks like is so, so person specific. Right. And isn't that a nicer voice to have in my own head that you just gave me as opposed to you fucked this up. Yeah. God, you have to like really cut back on wine to make up for all the wine you drink. Like my goal, my fun fact, my goal early in quarantine was to acquire a taste for tequila. (laughs) You? 
I did. I got so good at making um, margaritas on the rocks. Yes. I can't cook, but I can make a pretty good margarita on the rocks. This is like totally off topic, Annie, because margaritas really took over our home as well. Yes. Um, my husband is quite the drink maker. And so do you have egg whites in yours? No. Oh, girl, I'll get you the recipe after. I can have a margarita and have some protein. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, no wonder why I was like so full and buzzed after one. Um, hashtag health. That's like egg whites. I'm writing this down in Margs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow up with you on that. Yeah, I'll hook you up. It's like, I'm not a tequila lover, but yeah, it's more of like kind of a margarita sour. Wow. Do you use raw eggs or do you use like... Yeah, I think I think. Uh, do you even have in Canada like the egg whites in a carton? We do. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, wow. I am mind blown. Yeah. So I'll hook you up with that, and then do you know what? You really talk. That we're talking about balanced drinks now. I've, yeah, I've got my carbs. I've got some proteins. Like, I'm good. Right. I've, yeah. Oh, amazing. My mind is blown. But yeah. Anyways, so back to that. But yes, that that is. You, you can have grace and compassion. And, and I think women hesitate on giving themselves grace and compassion because they confuse it with complacency. Yes. They worry if they're too nice to themselves that they're just like not going to get up off the couch. They're not going to stop drinking the margaritas. They're not going to take their hand out of the chip bag. And that's where mothering comes in to yourself because I know when my kids need to like just chill out and Netflix and when they need their butt kicked off the couch and like get outside, you need some fresh air. And, and you can do that for yourself. Eventually you can say like, okay, no, like this isn't good for you either. <laughs> and I think the other, the comment that I also really want to point out, because um, this is something both you and Jen say often, and I love it. And that is the notion of mothering yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it's just something I really want to point out. Cause I know listeners are going to be like, you know what mothering, like I haven't used that term before. And so I want to hear from you. What do you mean by mothering yourself? Um, mothering, well, we, we always say that, um, I want to just give a little disclaimer that you don't have to be a mother to mother yourself. If you don't have kids, um, or if you don't identify as a mother, maybe your kids are older or whatnot, um, you don't have to have parenthood as an experience to have this skill. I firmly believe that we take great care of things we love and our bodies and our, and our own health is no exception. We could be talking about a pet. We could be talking about a sweater. We could be talking about an expensive leather couch, right? Um, to me, mothering myself comes down to, this is my personal mantra, I am a woman who gives herself what she needs, not just what she wants. Mm. And I can check in with myself almost on a moment to moment basis and ask myself, like, what do I really need in this moment? And then the conversation goes something like, well, you know, I need, I need to take care of these bills. I need to take care of this work. I want to hop on Instagram, you know, and then, and then like make a choice in that moment. Okay. It might be any, you've worked, you got up at five, you've worked straight through six hours, take a 10 minute break and scroll Instagram and then pay the bills. It it might also sound like, honey, you haven't done shit this morning. (laughs) You have dilly dallied. You'd fiddle farted. You've already spent a lot of time on Instagram, pay the bills. Yep. 
Right. And like the answer that I come up with is very like present based. And, but, but acknowledging that when I give myself always what I need, isn't always fun. And when I give myself always what I want, doesn't necessarily serve future Annie, you know, Annie tomorrow, Annie next week, Annie next year, right. She's going to be pissed with past me. Like, you, should, like, you know, the, the oh, wine, the wine. Amazon packages on her doorstep. <laughs> yes. Yes. And she'll be in debt and she'll be stressed and, you know, so just really being mindful, mindful of what choice I need to make in that moment. And I have found that if I can master that, just giving, honoring, acknowledging what I need and want, and then choosing accordingly, I, I, I'm, I'm batting pretty close to a thousand on good choices. I am actually just going to leave the conversation at mother yourself, because there's so many other things that I could dive in and talk to you about, but that is a whole other episode, which I'm absolutely dragging you and Jen back for, because Great. I feel like it's just going to be like highlighting real balance 365. <laughs> I could talk to both of you forever. Um, but I do. I think that if, if listeners can walk away with just even querying, like, how can I mother myself? I think that that is such a wonderful, kind, gracious starting point mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. And it's a practice. You're not going to get it right all the time. No. Cause I mean, and as a mother, I get it wrong. I swear to God, most of the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, my world, you know, we, we do the best we can. And some days are absolutely better than others. Absolutely. It's no different than caring for yourself. No, same, it's not. same applies. No. And so before we get into the rapid fire round, cause mm-hmm. I want to do that with you mm-hmm. is where do our listeners start you know, with, and I mean this plug yourself, please, because I actually would like them to start with you. Um, but like learning more and educating themselves, like where's the best place for them to start? Yeah. So you can join our coaching program. Um, or, uh, we have a, we have a really great free workshop, um, where we essentially show you, I dive a little bit deeper, Jen, and I dive a little bit deeper into exactly what I just covered with the core for our system. We literally give it away for free in this workshop. So I can send you the link. Do you have show notes? Can you yeah, share I will. that? And, okay, great. So you could share that, um, in the show notes, uh, people could watch it. Um, you know, grab a cup of tea, sit down, hang out with us for an hour. We've done it live so many times. We actually, um, recorded it so people can watch it. Cause I, I understand that women are busy and you know, whatever. So if you can't make one of the times listed on the, on the recordings, we'll send you the replay. Like, don't worry about it. Um, but I think that will give you a pretty good glimpse into why we do what we do. And we also cover the three biggest mistakes. So some of the mistakes I already touched on in the podcast, but we dive a little bit deeper into why it's keeping you stuck and then what to do instead. That would be a really great place to start. Um, from there, you can also join our coaching program. And then, um, if you're just like, I'm still like feeling this out, I just need to acclimate to some of the shit that I said, because it's like really far from, what I'm used to hearing, uh, you can always listen to our podcast, um, podcast, blog posts, follow us on Instagram at balance 365 life. Our podcast is balance 365 life radio. We have a new podcast every Wednesday where we're talking about a lot of these topics. Um, and, and I really think another plug for us is that 
Um, if this wasn't apparent already, we really look at women as the whole person, not just a body. So it's not uncommon to find us talking about setting boundaries with family members or work to support your habits or stress management, or again, sleep. Like it's not just about what we eat and how we move. It's so much more than that. Our, our health is so much more than that. So we really do a good job of addressing the, the mental and the social aspects of wellness as well. Um, so our podcast could be a great place to start and that's Bounce 365 Life Radio. And I will include all of those things in the show notes too, Annie, because I just... We're, we love convenience. And so one click can take yes. you there. But, um, and I can attack like every Wednesday, like I love the podcast. It takes me either for company on my walks or my runs, or I just like listen to it in the background. And so I just want to say thank you for sharing that with all of us because it's, it's so insightful. Oh, you're so welcome. I, I really enjoy it. Um, I think it's super fun. And I love getting comments that are like, I feel like I know you. And I'm like, yes, like I can't possibly have, you know, conversations with 10,000 women on a weekly basis, but we can get 10,000 downloads. And, you know, and, that, and again, that goes back to ending diet culture, ending this type of culture for our kids and women and our girlfriends. Um, so the more women that are listening to this and sharing it and, and then changing what they think and say and do in their communities, it creates this ripple effect. It's like, I'm here for that. Totally. Yeah. Well, are you ready to have a little bit of a deep dive into the rapid fire? Yeah, let's do it. I love this. I love this stuff. Right? Okay. Yeah. What is something you want listeners and your followers to know about you? Um, so I, I thought about these answers ahead of time. Hands down, my answer is that I'm human. I get I, I have a I have a small person smaller personal Instagram platform. But between that and coaching and Balance 365, it's not uncommon to, for women to message me and say, your goals, I'm not fucking goals. I'm human. I make mistakes. I do stupid shit. I forget about stuff. I make like, like I'm human. You're human. We're all human. Like, please don't put me on a pedestal. <laughs> like, because you can be the best version of you and I'll be the best version of me. And that's all I want for women. And there's room for everyone. Yes. Amen. What is something you are not very good at? Cooking. I burn the shit out of everything. I love that. What is the number one sign when you are overwhelmed? I'm pissy. I lose my patience with people or myself in general. I, I have like, I, I wouldn't say I have an anger problem, but I like, I can go from zero to 60 real fast. Annie, our um, homegirl right now, that's kind of taking over the waves. Dr. Jody Carrington has a say. Yes. Oh you, yeah. Right. She's the best, but chippy. She always talks about how she gets fucking chippy. <laughs> and so, right. And I'm, that's like the sound of being overwhelmed. I'm like, Ooh, I'm fucking chippy. So yes, okay, that's, that's, like, right. that's it. Um, you get to have brunch with one famous person. I want this person to be alive if possible. Who is it? And then I want to know a question you would ask them. Okay. This one really, really tripped me up. Um, I would probably say Glenn and Doyle Melton or Glenn. I think it's just Glenn and Doyle now. Right. Um, uh, she wrote, actually the book that probably most changed my life was love warrior. So this was even before untamed came out, but then untamed came out and, um, it just, it, it just changed my, both of those books changed my life. And I have a quote from her, 
untamed book about just cheetahs, you know, did you, have you read it? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, so, but I don't know what I would ask her. I think I would ask her, um, how I can cultivate, I know it's there. I know my intuition is there, but how I can build a stronger skill of actually listening to it and honoring it. Cause as I still, even after all this work, I still do get lost in doing what people, what people expect of me and people pleasing and yeah. What is one habit you have that makes your day easier? Um, <laughs> I would say my hair is almost always. So if I have to wash my hair, I will do most of the styling before I go to bed. Oh, I love this. Yeah, I have I have a I have a curly head of hair and I have a quite a lot of hair and to do my hair from start to scratch in the morning just takes up too much of my time. So, I kind of piece it out and then when I get up in the morning all I have to do is take like 20 minutes, freshen up some curls, throw on some makeup if I'm going to be seen in public or, you know, on a professional setting and then call it good. Otherwise it would take like an hour and I don't want to spend an hour doing my hair. That's a good hack. Yeah. Um, if you could turn back the time and talk to your 18 year old self, what would you tell her? Um, it would probably be, excuse me, something along the lines of you are enough or you are worthy. What would your grandparents describe as what you do for a living. Okay. So here's the thing. I had to chuckle at this question. Um, all of my grandparents are passed away. My mom passed away before I started balance 365 and my dad who is still living is 77. And two years ago he called me and he said, um, we were having a conversation. I said, okay, dad, um, I'm, in, I'm working at a coffee shop right now. I'm going to have to call you later. Cause I just didn't want to have this conversation while I was working in the middle of this coffee shop. And his response, Lisa, was, I didn't know you worked at a coffee shop. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, dad. And then when the pandemic started, he said, are you going to be able to work from home? Dad, I've I've worked from home for the last six years. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's just not paying attention. But the funny thing is, is he will be the first one to comment on any of my Balance 365 posts. Great job, honey. Like (laughs) no clue. No clue what I'm doing. So I really don't know that they would be able to, he would be able to answer what I do. I think he would say I'm probably a personal trainer. (laughs) Annie, that's one of my favorite answers I've had to date. That's so good. Uh, Dads. Dads, dads, hashtag dads. Yeah. What are you currently binging on Netflix? Um, Okay, this is not, this is not an elitist answer. I don't watch TV. Amazing. It's it's like, it's it's not because I don't want to watch TV. I, uh, just, I, when I get on TV, I usually find myself on my phone, like scrolling Instagram or Facebook instead. If I had to pick one thing, if I do have the TV on every once in a while, I will turn on the Kardashians. Yeah. I love the Kardashians. I absolutely adore them. I love the way they can have the means, the resources to spend a half a day, just pulling pranks on family members. That is like my goal. To just be able to like, I don't care if I drop a thousand dollars pulling this prank on my kid. It's going to be so amazing. Like I I would love to have unlimited resources like that. (laughs) That's so good. What is your favorite order at your hometown restaurant? Um, so 
I'm thinking back to my childhood, not, not my town here. Um, and it would be a, uh, breaded chicken sandwich with mushrooms and Swiss cheese. And what restaurant is this? It's, um, called, uh, Hickory park in Ames, Iowa. (laughs) I love it. It's really good. What is something I did not ask you that I should have? Oh God. Um, I don't know. Was there something that you wanted to ask that you didn't? No, I just, I always like to ask that just in case someone's like, Oh, I really wanted to say this. No, I think, no, I think I said everything I wanted to say. I'm sure I'll think of something after this is over though. (laughs) No, I'll just have another interview. So it's Okay. 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 Great. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, that would be in therapy and it wasn't really advice. It was more just, um, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but my therapist talked about coming home to myself. Mm. And when I first heard that, I was like, you mean like 34, 34 grand Valley, like my address. Like I thought she like, that's how detached I was from my own experience. Now I know when she asks about like coming home, it's like really turning inward for reflection. And so I think having that touchstone of like, where am I at? What do I think? What do I want? What do I need versus what do other people want? What do other people need? What do other people expect of me um, has really shifted my life. That's really good advice. When you're having a bad day, what do you do to make yourself feel better? Um, I have three answers. I either work out then sometimes it's a combination of three work out, take a shower or cry. (laughs) <laughs> sometimes it might be all three and like all three so available to most people at any given time. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of a great way to end the rapid fire round with those yeah, good. Your strategies. Good. Okay. So thank you, Annie. Thank you so much for um, coming on and interviewing. Thank you. I had so much fun. This was great. Good. Well, folks, thanks uh, once again for tuning in to our conversation with Andy Breeze from Balance 365 with your host, the one and only Lisa Gregg for Highlighting Real. Uh, Folks, in between episodes, if you love this episode and would like to tell the world, uh, things like that do matter. You can share amongst your internet friends on your socials. You could leave a review on uh, maybe Apple Podcasts if you wanted to be internet famous. Maybe we'll read a review or two here in uh, the coming weeks. Uh, Things like that really do make uh, every bit of uh, a difference to us. And subscribing, of course, makes a huge, huge difference to us. Um, If you didn't enjoy it, then keep your mouth shut. Uh, Seriously, though, thank you for all the sharing and caring. Highlighting Reel is produced by Ross Nielsen for Yes Dear Productions. That's me. See you in two weeks, folks.